and welcome to Have a Nice Apocalypse. It's the Talk Film Society Richard Kelly retrospective, where we talk about the work of Richard Kelly, the director slash screenwriter, and more specifically, we talk about the film Southland Tales. I am your host, co-host actually, I'm, I'm not the lead here, uh, Marcelo Pico, and with me, the true lead of this show. The other co-host, it's Marcus Serving. Hey, Marcus. Uh, I'm. I, I uh, he- hello, everybody. But I would just like to say, I don't. I don't consider this a two. Uh, 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 me to be the lead. I consider this to be a two-hander. We're both the co-hosts. We both. Uh, we love each other. We respect each other. We both bring things to the table here. Marcelo does all the editing work. I find all the guests. Um, we both do a lot of research for the show. Uh, we're like the nice guys of podcasting. Uh, we're, I, we're the nice guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who I, I'm, I'm punching open in the window and breaking my arm. <laughs> and then, and, and I'm Marcelo is like a dumbass. There's a key right here or whatever. <laughs> and I, I, I break Marcus's arm, uh, for, for uh, I, his I, other arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> Just for fun. That's a great movie. We should we should we should figure out how to podcast about that movie, Marcus. The Nice Guys. It's a nice, nice movie. Guy, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, yeah yeah. It's a movie. Yeah. Speaking of movies, Southland Tales. Oh my God. Where this is it, folks. Oh man. Where do we begin? This is it. Uh, Mar- be- I mean, Marcus. Uh, this is the Return of the Jedi, of <laughs> your your famed trilogy of of final Southland Tales episodes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, famously, in our last intro, I did not know that Return of the Jedi was the last of the Star Wars uh, movies. I thought it was. I thought the last one was Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I don't know Star Wars very well, uh, but you I do got, know this, this is hey, here, here, here. I know the prequels more. Uh, okay. This is the uh, the Revenge of the Sith. This is ah. our Revenge of the Sith. Interesting. So, or or in terms of Southland Tales, yes, as you were just alluding to, this is our uh, wave of mutilation, chapter six. Yes, yeah. Wait, see, and I I went to Star Wars because I did literally just forget. We talked about it because we're recording uh, the intros for these last two yeah. episodes together. I did just forget what the chapters were for the Southland Tales movie. <laughs> so you got that's me. okay. But 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 this is our this is our big uh we wanted to put together a very special uh trio of episodes very special. uh the 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 trilogy finale the, the trilogy finale as the uh french would say and uh uh we wanted to find big 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 attractions big events <laughs> big attractions uh, our first episode two episodes ago we had a death match to the to find out who our best previous guest was between two of our favorite guests that we had all done previously uh Tara and uh Thomas uh, Mariani and then uh the episode previous to this one we had superstar comic artist uh Alec Robbins and then uh on this episode we have oh, we somebody have, that we'll talk about in a minute we'll talk about in a bit and it won't be too much of a bit because this is a big episode, so we want to get to it. We want to get to the meat. We want to get to the interview portion as quickly as possible. Yes. So before we talk about who this uh, third in the trilogy of great uh, guests are, uh, let's talk about our usual things. We talk about these intros, but we'll speed through them. 
We yeah, don't have yeah, much yeah. to say. Uh, uh, we, we we talk about what we're drinking. Uh, uh, this is recorded uh, during the, just after the part eleven drinking. So here, I'm going to crack open a Ooh, second nice. Mountain Dew. So I'm drinking oh. two Mountain Dews. It's nine in the morning. No, it's ten in the morning now. Yeah, it's ten. Uh, I'm drinking nothing, but pretend I'm drinking my my morning ritual of Earl Grey tea. So there you go, folks. Pretend I'm drinking that Earl Grey tea. Ah, God, I, I wish you had that tea, Marcel. I, I, I would, I would love, I would love it if you could get that tea. Uh, and 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 recently, I, I, I was gifted one of those uh, hot water kettles. You know those those ones you just turn you, you 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 press it on and it boils water within like two or three minutes. It's it's fascinating. And and I used to just boil water technology on a stove, but now I have my own like kettle electric kettle that just does it by itself anyway we can't talk about this this is boring um <sighs> so that's the first segment of what we're drinking and usually what we do next segment is richard kelly news. richard kelly news uh we don't know this yet but in the past uh richard kelly he hosted a screening of kiss me deadly uh in uh, california los angeles at the Arrow Theater, he hosted a screening Kiss Me Deadly. It ties in heavily to Southland Tales. Perhaps, uh, perhaps he drops some uh, an atomic bomb worth of information there. Perhaps he says we don't know that yet on stage. Again, yeah, we don't know, and and we'll get to, we'll get into it maybe in the next episode. But he might announce on stage, "Hey, I'm making a remake of Kiss Me Deadly." We don't know that he could have done it, <laughs> but we don't know. Um, okay, so that's what happened. Oh, and, and, and hey, real quick Richard Kelly news, and I might, and, and, and this might lead into uh, uh, the final segment we have on these intros, okay? Going on Richard Kelly's Twitter, okay, which we, which we didn't do last time, which, we're, which I'm doing now, okay? He does promote, yes, he's doing uh, the Kiss Me Deadly show on Sunday and he also retweeted because he likes to retweet if you're not following Richard Kelly get ready for some sweet retweets he mm-hmm. retweeted Guillermo del Toro uh, del Toro's tweet on Emily the criminal which I've seen and, and yeah and del Toro uh, says here uh, it's a pretty good movie in so many words I don't know if I should read the whole thing but he but I'm like maybe Kelly has seen the movie too maybe he agrees with del Toro would you uh, say it's a good movie, Marcella? I, I enjoyed it a lot. I love Aubrey Plaza. A, a big reason why I went to see it is because of Aubrey Plaza. And she is phenomenal in the movie. I have my problems with the movie uh, as it is. It is very much an indie movie. It's one of those where it's like, oh, it, it ends there. Like, they could have ended somewhere else. Like, a lot of indie yeah. movies. Like, maybe they run out of budget. Maybe they, you know, maybe they can only do certain things. Whatever. Maybe the artist behind it was like, uh, oh, I'm making a statement by ending it here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my only issue. Hopefully that's not a big spoiler. That's not a big spoiler. Hopefully that's not a big spoiler. But overall, please go see Emily the Criminal because me, Del Toro, Richard Kelly said so. Okay? It's it's great. Uh, uh, n- not not only is Plaza great, but her co-stars in it are great too. So there you go. Yeah. Um- I don't remember if we do this during the actual episode, but this is our trilogy finale of discussing the film Southland Tales uh, beat by beat. Uh, I just want to make a note real quick. Uh, if you do like this and you enjoy this, uh, of course, we've got a big backlog of episodes you can go listen to very, very easily. 
But uh, also, this is not the final episode of our show <laughs> entirely. Right. We still got we still got to talk about the can cut of uh, Southland Tales. We're gonna do a commentary for that, and then we're gonna do an episode discussing it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we need to get into Richard Kelly's uh, third film. We've been doing it chronologically, so we're gonna get into his third film. Uh, See, uh, the box. I'm glad you brought um, that up because in the last intro, we definitely did not bring this up, but that was assumed because they listened. You know, at, who's gonna stop at the part two of the trilogy? They're gonna listen to the third part, and they're no, listening to yeah, it now. They, got, they gotta yeah. get to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So, and of course, at the end Everyone's of Return, favorite. Of course, at the end of Return of the Jedi, they're like, hey. Check out our other episodes after Return of the Jedi. I think that's what the, <laughs> Luke was like. He looked into the camera. He said, "Oh, you can't believe what I get up to next time." And so, exactly, folks, I'm going to promise this now: the next three episodes after this are going to be even more amazing. Okay, the, it's but- it's going to be the 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 uh, the the sequel uh, trilogy of episodes. We're going to have a Force Awakens episode. We're going to have a Last Jedi episode. We're going to have a um. What was that last one called? R- Rise of Skywalker episode. <laughs> so if this is our Return but, of the uh, Jedi, you have that to look forward to. But uh, even more important to me, if if you hate us, if you listen to this to this and you hate us, even more important to me is our lovely guest. Yes. Um, she directed a film that she stars in and wrote and produced. Uh, she is going to be taking that film around the world. Uh, there's threats of a of a of a roadshow, perhaps uh, showing it around the country. So even if you totally hate us, that's fine. Turn us off, but please watch this film, Marcelo. Would you like to give the details on how people can watch this film? Who our guest is? Uh, it's a real it's a real uh, cherry bomb of a of an episode here. Like I, I we really went all out. We shot for the moon. We got a great guest. We have the fabulous Vera Drew as a guest. Okay. We're going to get into all of her credits Vera Drew. Uh, in, in the next segment. Vera Drew. Um, but for right now, let me tell you about the People's Joker. Okay. We recorded this a few weeks ago before uh, Vera uh, made the announcement, before it was announced that her movie, The People's Joker, would be, would be playing at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. She alludes to it, I believe, on the episode. Uh, we definitely talked about it after the episode was recorded. And then, like, maybe a week or two later... The news came out. So just to inform you, and this episode will drop around this time, The People's Joker will world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. During their Midnight Madness block, I believe. I believe so. Films. Yes. Um, yeah. And you can also catch it if you go to the TIFF website and look at People's Joker. You'll find this too. Uh, and also, I'm sure uh, Vera on her Twitter account will also tweet about this. But if you just want to know offhand... Uh, and if you're at TIFF or if you're doing, well, actually, I don't know. Well, it, it says right here, they're all in-person shows. So you got to be in Toronto, folks. Be there or be square. September 13th, 14th, 15th, 17th, screenings are there. But hey, if you're not. But, Mar- yeah, that's Mar- right. Mar- Marcelo, what if I'm not in Toronto? If you're what not if in Toronto. I can't, you know, legally okay. cross the border into Canada? You know what? For reasons. You got me. Okay, because I did say Toronto, you got to be there or be square. If you're not there. And if you don't want to be square, and if you want to wait a few weeks, you can go to Fantastic Fest. That's right, oh, Fantastic right. Fest. It's it's based in Austin. I'm going to go. I might meet Vera Drew in person. You know, we'll see. Uh, and, and, come true. and if I do, I'll update uh, everybody here on this episode. But 
because I'm going to be at Fantastic Fest. She's going to be there to show The People's Joker. I don't have the screening dates yet, but the magic of Fantastic Fest is it's a hybrid. It's both in-person and virtual. So you can go to the Fantastic Fest website, check out the badge prices. Uh, If you can manage to get an online film pass, you can possibly see The People's uh, Joker uh, virtually online with Vera Drew presenting it. I'm sure uh, they have the technology. It can happen. So yeah, there you go. So we uh, on the episode itself, we, we were all like, you know, you know, uh, tiptoeing around it. I mean, uh, on the episode, Marcus explains that he he saw like a work in progress cut of it, you know. So uh, now it's now it's out there in the world as of this recording. In September of 2022, a lot more people are going to see the People's Joker. And all the better for it, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it 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 it's a phenomenal movie. I could not recommend it enough. Uh, fans of Southland Tales, uh, if that happens to be one of the two or three of you out there, uh, you would absolutely love this movie. Uh, fans of uh, DC movies in general, you would love this movie. Fans of uh, you know just cool creators doing cool shit. Uh, Vera's had her hands in a lot of the best comedy stuff of the last. Uh, decade or plus um and uh i i i could not recommend this movie higher oh uh, it's it's phenomenal by the way fantastic fest takes place between i can't wait to hear your thoughts i mean no i i'm definitely gonna watch it like i said i might watch it with her introducing it in person at at fantastic fest we'll see uh but i I forgot to mention fantastic fest takes place between september 22nd through the 29th so there you go just just in case you, you wanted that information yeah um and uh tiff takes place like from september 8th through like the 20 something i don't know figure it out folks all right but yeah but again we'll get into more vera on the actual episode which we're gonna go to now i think because i think we've covered everything we needed to cover in the intro right yeah yeah Yeah. wow so um you know stay tuned for the interview stay tuned for more from our show and uh as we always say hit it moby And we're back. Woo! What's hey? <laughs> what an intro! I do like way. that Moby. That yeah, that that Moby track was was awesome as always. The, the Moby same, break, the great intro that we did. The same Moby. Uh, we should ask our our guest about Moby eventually. Okay, that's <laughs> that's something like being very serious, Marcus. Or I, I, I at the end of every conversation, I go, we didn't talk about Moby. It's like we we never talk about Moby. Yeah, really. We, yeah, yeah. We, we need to bring Moby up more. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah, yeah. So put that on the on, on the docket, Moby talk. Um, but before we uh, before we get to Moby, I think we got somebody very special here to introduce. Yeah, right, special guest, special guest. Yes, yes. Uh, we have a very special guest here, uh, and I always prepare a lengthy intro. We'll see how this goes. Uh, written out here. So oh, here wow. I go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She is the superstar Emmy-nominated editor behind 62 episodes of Comedy Bang Bang, all of Sasha Baron Cohen's Who is America, the second season of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, and What I Named My Favorite Movie of 2020, An Evening with Tim Heidecker. She has worked with not one, but two Coppolas and Nathan Fielder. I mean, for God's sake, she's even worked with the Birthday Boys. (laughs) 
Baby, you know she's a Greg Ed, and you better believe that she's been Jokerfied as she has been forced to write, direct, produce, edit, and star in her own film, The People's Joker, an autobiographical and illegal coming-of-age story about a woman who leaves her small-town religious family to try and make it in the dark, deranged world of the Gotham City <laughs> comedy scene, while also being the Joker. She is the villain that we both want and deserve. It's Vera Drew! Yay. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that was that was like the best. That was the best intro I've ever received, and I <laughs> I really appreciate you saying you described it as if I was like forced to make uh, the people's joke, <laughs> which is definitely what it feels you like. Had to do it, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I feel very seen right now. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Now, it, it, for anybody who's still wondering who Vera Drew is. <laughs> Actually, I, the first thing I want to talk I didn't about. Give enough credit. I know, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but the first thing I want to dig into, Vera, is the People's Joker. I, I, I want to get into that because I want to know more about that. Marcus has already seen it. He knows. Uh, yeah, he definitely is in on it. But uh, I saw like an early rough cut about a year ago through your Patreon. It was I. I really loved it. It was one of my favorite movies that I saw that whole year. Oh, thank you. And I cannot wait until the full thing is released. But yeah, please uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that. The the people's yeah. Joker. It um, like most things, it started as a joke. Um, uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I it was like right at the start of COVID, and uh, my friend Bree uh commissioned me to re-edit Todd Phillips' Joker because she said that the only way she would watch it is if um if she got like the vera drew remix and uh again this was the start of covid i was very unemployed in 2020 uh as many of us were and uh i took it i was like okay well i'll actually do this because what the fuck else am i gonna do um and uh as i was doing it i kind of realized a that it was going to be a lot of work because i was really uh, like immediately like the moment i started playing with the footage i was like i'm gonna make like a fun batman movie again i want to make like a colorful weird campy but like sincere batman just because there hasn't been one of those in forever and it seems obvious that you know like you could easily do it because all that material's there. As I was like digging into it and kind of putting together just like this weird experimental version of the movie that it eventually later became, I realized like I should just make an actual movie. So I went out and shot original footage, uh, Brie and I ended up writing like a full script. Uh, it's very autobiographical based off of my experience, um, both as a trans woman and as like, somebody who has kind of come up in alternative comedy and sort of seen that like bubble burst to some degree and also like it's it's kind of it's not that it's necessarily on its way out but it feels like i've i've lived through multiple eras of of the alternative comedy scene and sort of finding where that all intersects with identity and queerness and expression and selling out and all that stuff and um yeah what was what what resulted was the movie that i've i'm now finishing up and uh you know took us about two years to get to this point 
did I do a good job explaining this? Every time I <laughs> yes. start to talk no, about no, this, yes. it's I like, because <laughs> it's definitely the weirdest thing ever made. Uh, uh, trust me, I, I, I'm <laughs> super intrigued, and now I'm wondering when, when I could see it, when an average Joe like me could see it. I don't know yet when the average Joe is going to be able to see it, but, and, and it sucks because, I mean, I'd love to be able to, like, throw a plug out for a premiere right now, but I unfortunately mm-hmm. can't quite yet. But um, all I can say is we're hoping to premiere at one of the bigger festivals uh, in early September. And it's looking really, really good. We're just working out some of the um, legal things uh, that go along (laughs) with making a film that is entirely using characters that you don't own the rights to. and uh yeah so i mean i guess if if people want updates on where to find it uh just follow me on twitter at viradrew22 i think it has a really good shot at like getting on you know some sort of streaming service or something at some point i mean we'll see but I, i i the plan is to you know whether it's in like the festival circuit or me in a van uh i don't know why it has to be a van uh but me <laughs> just driving around the country uh around dvds yeah um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna tour with it eventually uh so so that everybody can see it because that's the other pieces that i i kind of missed and i always forget to mention just because again there's so many weird moving parts to this project but there's people like all over the world that worked on this um I like mm-hmm. opened up the creative process to anybody that wanted to help me make a gay Batman movie, and surprisingly, a lot of people wanted to do that. Um, yeah, there's a the film has a lot of like really cool like uh, multimedia. It's playing with a lot of different forms of uh, a lot of different uh, what, what is what's the word I want? Genre, like mixed, not genres. What uh, mixed mixed media? media. Yeah, yeah, and, and like claymation, animation, uh, lots of different types of animation, CGI. Like it, uh, you have a lot going on in the movie. Yeah, and that really. Um, I mean, I've always liked mixed media. I, I I'm an animator uh, in addition to all the other hats I wear, uh, but that really came out of the fact of reaching a point where, you know, like a year into the project, I had put so much work into it and still had like all this like footage from Todd Phillips, Joker and backgrounds (laughs) I had stolen from Joel Schumacher and like, like art that I would never be able to clear and stuff. And I kind of was put in a position where it's like, well, if I ever want people to see this um, at this point, I should like actually make original art for that so it's really kind of where like the mixed media approach for it came from and um because it's a huge story it's stupidly ambitious i was not taking um uh legally prescribed adderall when i came up with the idea (laughs) but had i been i would have known my limits like i do now because now (laughs) i'm on adderall finally (laughs) um because i thought the movie was going to be done in six months i thought it was going to just be like all right, whatever, it's good to go. But uh, thankfully, I was unmedicated and very stupidly ambitious. Uh, no, yeah, it, it is a very, very ambitious movie. Like it's, uh, it's a very sweeping story. It's a, uh, it's like an underdog story uh, mixed with like 
villainous stuff. Like I, I, we can start talking about the movie now, I guess the Southland tales thing that we're here for. Uh, like, like I, I, I did see a lot of like Southland tales in your movie and like, Absolutely. that's not just because I'm looking for it everywhere, which I am, but like, I, I, I see it in your film a lot. Like there's a lot of like, I think you share the same kind of like media overload and, uh, uh, like, uh, politically minded, um, speech like with uh tim heidecker's like alex jones type character who's spewing a lot of right-wing ideology throughout the film on tvs in the background um i do see a lot of that and then like there's like also like characters that are trying to figure out who they are and like they discover who they are and then who they are are these like badass pimps who don't commit suicide it's really (laughs) fucking great like i it's such an ambitious project and I, I, I really hope we can see it at one of these things, but yeah, was uh Southland tales like, uh, was, was that a specific influence on you and how do you think that film? Without a doubt. I mean, I'm never going to, you know, when I'm hopefully like pitching my next movie, uh, trying to get money to make it, I probably won't say, this is inspired by Southland Tales, one of the biggest flops uh, ever. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> but, uh, but secretly, yeah, no, secretly and, and in retrospect, I can I can definitely say like Southland Tales was maybe one of the primary influences with this. Um, I think maybe not at its first inception. You know, like I'm I'm really into Paul Verhoeven and and like his um his portrayal of dystopias. I also love Philip K. Dick. I also love Kurt Vonnegut and stuff. And uh I feel like the person that was able to sort of merge all those ideas together, like political dystopia, sex, glamour uh and like crazy weird spirituality like the person that can do that is 1000% Richard Kelly so yeah i watched this movie a ton both while we were writing it and while um i was editing it putting it together um which again was i mean it was kind of scary uh knowing that southland tales wasn't influenced just knowing how even richard kelly feels about the movie that it's like <laughs> not done yet uh, <laughs> yeah. or whatever he says about it but we still need to make another like three hours of footage and edit together a six-hour movie yeah yeah but but yeah no i love this movie so much i i really like southland tales is uh, definitely on my top 10. Well, what's your uh, like history with it? When did you first see it? Uh, did you see any other Richard Kelly movies before it, like Donnie Darko or The Box? I was or nuts. Domino, I guess. <laughs> um, I was really... I was a Donnie Darko kid for sure in high school. Like I was obsessed yeah. with Donnie Darko. Um, yeah. I actually revisited that lately and was really surprised like how well it held up because I was totally anticipating it not you know there's definitely some cringe moments in it but um but uh i i that movie saved high school for me um so yeah when i found out that he was making a second movie i was actually like kind of this was in the earliest days of the internet so i'm not really sure how i was following the project i think i just remember like reading kevin smith's blog posts about it and then a few articles here and there and i was anticipating uh southland tales and then 
when it premiered and I saw the reviews come back uh, and stuff that it was like a disaster, I got um, reasonably bummed, but still didn't give up hope and then bought it on DVD when it was finally released, whatever that like first DVD was with um, the kind of bad effects <laughs> that were in it. Yeah. Um, it's weird because I don't, I don't remember, I remember watching it and not necessarily like disliking it. Um, I don't, I definitely don't remember like saying in that moment, this is one of my favorite movies. It was more so, I think just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Um, He clearly uh, had a huge story to tell though. And this is like something that I just want to continue to think about uh, and see again. And, 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 yeah, I think I think after that like first viewing, I kind of knew that it was going to be a a movie that I was going to be revisiting a lot like over the course of my life just just because of how sort of impenetrable it it can kind of be on that first viewing. Yeah, I I I had a very similar experience where like when I for I I uh I I love Donnie Darko. I don't think I knew the connection that it was the same guy. I just happened to like rent the movie from from a movie gallery. I don't know if that was a regional chain or not. I rented the movie, the DVD and watched it. And I just kind of was like confused, but like intrigued. And I ended up like watching it more and more and more. And like the, the more you watch this movie, it is, it seems like very specifically designed for people to rewatch it. And it's like, it's one of those things that like on the first viewing, you're not, going to get nearly anything about it you're just going to have to kind of experience and get the vibes and if the vibes are good enough to you you'll come back to it and it just it it is a very specific kind of weird movie like that yeah i feel like it's it's got that same sort of like lynch david lynch thing where it's just like you kind of just gotta let it wash over you as as like like as you're watching it yeah it's it's been interesting, actually, like hearing uh, David Lynch come up uh, w- with episodes with uh, guests we have on, because like for me, like watching for the first time, I guess it just didn't hit me as hard, really, uh, and, it, it, and it also took me time to fully appreciate it. And it wasn't until doing this podcast with Marcus for it seems like what close to two years now, Marcus, that I'm like <laughs> yeah, probably. I bet we still got a year to go. Yeah, we, we yeah we got a lot more South Antilles to talk about. Um, but, so much. But but doing it this way also like talking uh, about it with guests and breaking it down, you know, uh, in twelve parts. It's like now, like I love this movie. It's like if it was any doubt before, yeah. it's gone now. To go back to it, especially now, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, in in the in the climate we're in now, uh, yeah. To to look at it now, uh, I wish those who like booted a cons or like gave it a bad review back like fifteen years ago will look at it now and go, hey. I was fucking wrong because <laughs> at the, yeah. the, the, the the thing I love about it is like Richard Kelly was right. He was prophetic in what he made here, and I think that holds the test of time. And I love the reevaluation re- and, and the appreciation that it has now. So I'm happy about that. I was just gonna say, like, I think to your point, like it's it's one of those movies that is enhanced by like t- talking about it and discussing it and even just like thinking about it. It's weird. And I think that's like kind of where like the Lynch factor of it comes up for me too, is like, you know, like every David Lynch film for me or like every, and, and Twin Peaks especially are like, 
they're like living, breathing texts in a way. Cause like when I revisit them or if I'm even just reading an article about it or listening to a podcast about it or talking to a friend about it, the media itself and like the story itself is somehow, it somehow changes. And it's like, I'm getting not only, I'm getting new insights that I didn't have there before. And it, it, I don't know, like it almost makes it feel like a living, breathing story to me. And this this movie definitely has that for me. Even even like maybe more so. I think like on this this most recent viewing, I actually watched this twice. Not not for this podcast, uh, but I watched it. I watched it once for the podcast and enjoyed it so much that I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> and uh, both times, I would say like I really appreciated it on a character level this time that I hadn't on other viewings because that that was I think the hardest part for me. My first time watching it was just like, there's so many fucking characters in this. Who are yeah, all yeah. these people? And why is John Lovitz have blonde hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and then uh, uh, I'll just jump in and say, like, looking back on it, and maybe Vera, maybe this perspective, I do want to hear your, your perspective on this, but the fact that Kelly, and Marcus can talk more about this because he, he looked it up, but the fact that Kelly was going to make this a comedy first, right, Marcus? And, like, the whole plot was around these comedians. Yeah. They're going to commit a crime or something. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like, he, like, went to a UCB show or something and, like, liked it a lot. And, like, so he decided to write this, like, heist comedy movie about uh, a group, uh, a comedy group that... Uh, that like kidnaps a famous movie star to extort him for money. And, uh, and then like eventually like nine 11 happened or something. And then that, that made him feel more politically minded. And, uh, and he like turned the movie into what it is now. Yeah. What, yeah. And it has those elements there. You can tell for sure. Like with Amy Poehler and Wood Harris's characters. Yeah. Um, right. But overall it is still pretty funny. <laughs> I think, I, I think it is funny. Yeah. yeah. Even even as yes, in the end, which we'll talk about later, uh, yet the world ends. But it's still so funny with all these comedians, not necessarily doing comedy, but doing like whatever John Lovitz is doing. I love it so. So <laughs> yeah. so, so, so Vera, your your uh, perspective on it as you know an editor, as a you know director, as a filmmaker, like um, uh, you know that that does comedy. Looking at it as uh, through, it, it, looking at Southland Tales and its comedic elements, like, do you think this is funny? Do you think do you laugh every time you watch this movie now? Yeah, I mean, I laugh. I think more like on repeat viewings uh, too, and that was like this time especially. Like, just I think just because like now like knowing these characters for you know like over a decade it's just really they're they're all really funny characters to me and i think like the casting specifically actually contributes to this because of how everybody is kind of cast against their type to a certain degree like you would never think to cast john lovitz as like (laughs) like a dark mysterious racist cop but then you see it and it just actually makes complete sense. Like it, it makes perfect complete sense. And I think the rocks per like everything the rock is doing in this movie is incredible. Like his weird, like hand acting with his like finger mm-hmm. tremors. And like, he's, he's the most expressive, like with his face in, in this film than any other movie. Like 
to me it's it makes sense that it started as more of this like kind of like pulp fictiony like comedy just because of how crazy and funny it is and i but i also think that's like the fact that like in the background of like the movie that he did end up making like the 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 leftist characters in the movie are comedians like by and large yeah and i i there's something about that and just how prophetic that is um just with like the whole you know rise of the quote-unquote dirtbag left and and in the last couple of years and and also Mm -hmm. just thinking about how like you know comedy itself is a part of our military industrial complex like we like to pretend like it's not but it it 1000% is like SNL helps decide elections um, and and policies that get made like um, and you know I I think that's that's another reason why I think this movie was a huge influence on the people's jokers because like that's definitely an aspect of my movie but but yeah like just like how prescient and like crazy of him to kind of like see that like 10 years prior that like oh yeah like comedy is going to be very much uh kind of front and center in our political landscape in the next couple years oh yeah that's very Absolutely. interesting yeah again another perspective uh that i, that I appreciate and will and will henceforth put upon south end hills um yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic yeah. every single guest we have they, they come on and they give us like a totally new thing to think about and like i, I just love it so much Marcus, I could do a podcast with you about South End Hills forever. It, it seems like we're going to. Yeah, okay. <laughs> do so. we want to jump into the section of the movie now? Um, yeah, I think just before we do, though, uh, Marcelo did ask me uh, in the in his DMs oh, to me when, I'm afraid. when he knew that you were going to be a guest. No. <laughs> um, he did. He did ask me if he could ask uh, one question about uh, comedy. Bang bang. No. Okay. And I said I would allow him exactly one question. Listen. So Marcelo, go ahead. Marcus, go ahead with your question. Marcus is is playing around because like when when your name Vera came up as like a guest, I'm like yes, and then like uh, I looked at your IMDb. It's like oh, I, you've done amazing work. Yes. And one of the things that gets me excited is Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, and and you edited so many episodes on that show. And that's one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite whatevers is Comedy Bang Bang. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know what Marcus is doing. He's putting me on the spot. Yes, I'm a Comedy Bang Bang fan. And maybe <laughs> you wanted to ask <laughs> you a question. Have a que- if you have it. a question. So, I mean, Marcelo, I never. One question. <laughs> I never get to talk about. I never get to talk about Comedy Bang Bang. So, please. Either, yeah. So, like, if you have a question. Please. <laughs> so, so my Let's question go, is going to be very, it's going to be very, very, very general. And my question is, what was it like working on Comedy Bang Bang? <laughs> Not. For- <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's it's when I look back on that job, it was like I took it for granted so much. Like, I mean, just just from like looking at again like talking i alluded to earlier the alternative comedy bubble bursting like i was employed for two years on a crazy comedy show just the stupidest comedy show ever made and it was great i had health insurance it was a lot of fun 
Um, and I definitely took it for granted uh, at the time. But the actual like experience of working on it, you know, I've 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 been, you know, I, I it sounds ridiculous. Uh, when I say like I've been editing for most of my life, but it is just true. Like I got into editing when I was like 12 with, you know, editing between VCRs and stuff and then learned how to use like digital editing programs and all that stuff. And like, really, I, I feel like I didn't really actually know how to edit though until working on comedy bang bang. And it really was because, you know, it was a show where I got to edit every single genre. Like we parodied everything, like every single thing. Like that's <laughs> why the show I think eventually ended was Scott realized we can't, there's nothing else. We've completely <laughs> undone culture to the point where like, you know, like I think of the last season we had like a Hamlet pair or not. It wasn't, no, it was like a merchant of Venice parody. Yeah. It was like a, a lesser <laughs> fucking Shakespeare work so um so yeah I mean like I think that was really where I it was a playground for me as not just as an editor either like like as a as a VFX artist as an animator as you know I did the editors on that show did a ton of writing um you know in post but you know like a lot of our job was either you know like i don't want to say polishing turds but um <laughs> you know like finding finding a cohesive thread in in a, in a lot of improvised footage and and also like the rhythm and the 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 rhythm of the show itself was like a language that i think we all kind of had to invent just because it, it moved you know at the time everybody would compare that show to like I think they would compare it to like Mr. Show, which never felt fair because of how different the shows were. And just like Mr. Show's like right. one of the greatest comedy shows ever made. I think what it has that Mr. Show doesn't is like this weird momentum. And I think no comedy, other comedy shows have this, but this like breakneck momentum that was, yeah, just always a lot of fun to find every single episode like really just just creating that sort of runaway train yeah see perfect answer i had the perfect question marcus thanks for the tea up we we we, we planned that <laughs> we did 100 <laughs> percent. so all right i think it's time marcus is is it that time again yes all right yes yes i think it is that time again it's chapter so, uh, 12 Vera, it's chapter 12. I got a time code. Uh, this, this is a two time hours. Code, time code. Marcelo time code. Here we go. I have the, I have the time code. Two hours, 10 yes. minutes, 53 seconds until the end. So that's our time code, folks. All chapter, the way through. Chapter all the way 12 through the of Southland Tales. So, yes, this is a very short chapter. This is the, this has the, the, the rising action and the climax and the denouement or whatever. This, this, this is the this is the end of the film it's a very short section uh so um please uh vera how this is going to work i basically wrote down every single thing that happens and i'm going to kind of run through it uh please if you ever want to comment on anything please tell me to shut the hell up and i will <laughs> and we'll start talking about whatever i just talked about okay so uh this section right here it begins i think we need to go back a little bit but because the section begins with uh a gunshot that that uh, uh, boxer he took out a gun and shot into the air um, to 
stop everything. I don't know. I don't know why he did it. But anyway, it was like they were in the middle of the dance, the dance from that we talked about on our last episode. Yes. That ended our last episode. The uh, that really lovely, beautiful, kind of funny dance that um, Mandy Moore, Krista now and Boxer shared with the rest of the prostitutes are they porn stars porn stars <laughs> with the rest of the porn stars sex sorry. workers uh <laughs> sex workers yes um but anyway, Mar- i, I Marcus, love that scene so Marcus, much with the gas mask sh- it's so mysterious shut the hell up shut, okay here we go <laughs> uh correct me if i'm wrong but memory gospel is the song right that they're dancing to memory gospel yeah yes. the theme Our song theme to this song. show yeah and yeah. i i think better time now than ever <laughs> Moby. <laughs> we gotta talk oh, about no. Moby. Vera. Let's no. talk about Moby. Vera. That bald motherfucker. <laughs> Moby. The vegan. No, first of all, no, let's let's let let's pull back. Okay. Uh, I, me and Marcus have had this running bit on this show about me. I said once before that I thought the soundtrack to this movie is like very subdued and held back. I don't, uh, not much of it sticks out to me, but that's not to me, that's not me saying it's a bad score. Just in my eyes, it's like, it's there. It's it's good. It's it's fine. But Marcus, you love the score uh, to this movie. Yeah. Uh, Vera, your thoughts on just the score of South End Tales by Moby? The score, I, I like it. I mean, I think, I think, I think all of the, the music in it is um, really, was really well selected or and or yeah. arranged and and yeah i i, I begrudgingly like moby's work in this <laughs> yeah. movie <laughs> yeah it, most of the score of, of the movie is kind of like reworks of songs that were like b-sides from his from play which is like his most popular record that was like uh whatever million selling hit or whatever yeah i i kind of missed all that i never really listened to moby but like this movie made me listen to moby a lot and then i kind of got into moby and i really like play and i like the play b-sides record like he did do some cool work then i haven't really listened to much else yeah sure i mean that's my general thoughts on moby (laughs) he seems like a weird guy yeah i'm just not really that familiar with with his music that much i think um yeah I've eaten at his restaurant in L.A. Oh, and it's, 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 yeah, he has he has a he has a vegan restaurant. Uh, okay, that you can go and you will. There's like a. I mean, I don't know if it's still like this, but back it, when it in its heyday, you could go and there was like a fifty fifty shot at you seeing Moby there. <laughs> um, and. Uh, but yeah, I, I uh, beyond that, I'm not, I'm not super. Well, I, I also, I've, I've heard a few, uh, not, not you know, not Weinstein level, but uh, some lecherous yeah, he, uh, yeah, matters. Stuff with Natalie yeah. Portman, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, not uh, a yeah, guy, not, yeah. Not. But hey, I mean, I, just to jump in, yeah, I liked his music back when Play came out. I'm not even sure when that album came out. I owned it as a, as a small child. Um, yeah, you would. You wouldn't stop spinning that thing. Uh, you're not lying. I, then I also, <laughs> I, I, I do also genuinely, genuinely like his uh, that song that plays at the end of Born at, at the end of every Born movie. That song. That's a good Moby song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then the score. Yeah, so those three Moby things I enjoy. Sure. Okay. But okay. let's we, we can let's move on. Let's close. Let's close this, okay. Moby talk. So, I think he's boxer. I, I just because okay. I talk shit on him, I will say I think he. I think 
you know, he's he's great in this. Like, I think he did a good job. And like, for how much about this movie, this movie is about Southern California. It just makes sense. Like, I don't really think there should have been anybody else that did the score. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. Honestly, that's a great point. Sorry, I'll let you close it out. Great point. And closed. Uh, Okay, so we start this section with a gunshot. Um, Chekhov's gun. Uh, The uh, roll uh, box. Boxer pulls out a gun, fires it in the air, tells everybody to shut up. (laughs) We have a small shot of Simon Theory as alarms are going off. Um, Apparently, he's. uh, they had to cut this. but yeah, I think it's in the can cut. We I guess we can talk about the can cut, but let's do yeah. that a little bit later. I, I think. Well, um, the the the, the no, thing. No, shut up, Marcel. Okay, there's, there's a small shot here of Simon Theory, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, and like in his right hand, you can or left hand, you can sort of see he's holding a bong with a <laughs> uh, gas mask attached to it. Oh, and the only reason, like, it's barely visible. But the only reason I know about it is because Richard Kelly talked about it in the commentary. I actually listened to the commentary. This has been a running joke thing for like 12 episodes. I finally listened to the commentary. So I have some slight more insights from Richard Kelly here. And like originally when the Zeppelin blew up, we were supposed to see um, a shot of Simon Theory smoking the bong as yeah. everything exploded around him. Ah. I do believe it's in the con cut. It's just like an unfinished it is. effect. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's weird. Cause uh, when you asked me to do this section, part of the reason why I actually rewatched, uh, it twice and, or I watched it twice in two weeks was cause I wanted to watch the con cut the second time I watched it just because I felt like I feel like the ending in the theatrical cut is a little too abbreviated almost. Yeah. Not not just because of the Simon Theory stuff. I mean I think I actually do think like the Simon Theory character and like the government or the the military's role in the like revolution that's happening is just made a lot clearer in, in the con yeah. cut. But yeah, it pops up. And I think that was the other I, I kind of had a question for you guys. Cause this, <laughs> I I didn't again. I watched it twice in one week, and I'm still kind of and and I've seen it at various points throughout the last decade. But like, what is Boxer's thing here? Like, what does he think is going to happen? Like, is he trying to basically just get them to land the Zeppelin because he knows shit's about to go down? Like, because he doesn't really like say anything. He just kind of stops the party yeah you know vera okay. vera I, I, i'll just jump in and say you're asking the type of question i always ask on this show because <laughs> <laughs> like trust me I, I i've seen this movie a few times and i know marcus has seen it more than me so sometimes i, I turn to marcus and go what does that mean so marcus i'm, I'm gonna turn to you yeah. i have the same question yeah. i i actually think i have an answer oh okay. uh, and it's and it's oh, because wow. um i've read the graphic novel uh prequel to this film and in that graphic novel, in between every chapter, we get a few pages of a script uh, of the power. And in the power, um, it's kind of like just a mirror of everything that's happening because Krista now is a fortune teller and she can like see the future and stuff. And uh, in the power, what uh, uh, the boxer's character is Jericho Kane. And Jericho Kane's like main mission is to to deliver the baby and the baby the baby that has uh that can't 
produce bowel movements. The very special baby. Which, the very special baby. Uh, the very sweet baby. Uh, um, that is uh, Roland Taverner. And he's supposed to deliver him to uh, some... He's supposed to deliver him to Martin Kefauver and everything's supposed to coalesce and uh, become... And uh, this is like the rebirth of the world and like they're going to make the new Jerusalem is how they refer to it in the uh, graphic novel, I believe. And that happens here. It happens in kind of like a way, like it's more direct how uh, Jericho Kane is interacting with the baby. Uh, it's a lot more direct in the screenplay in this. It's kind of, it feels like happenstance, but everything comes together to get all of these characters in this same place. Right. And what boxer is realizing is like, Oh my God, this is actually real. We are all going to die. And I have played my part. He's been, so this is something that's only from that is totally lost in the film. You have to read the graphic novel to get this. Um, boxer has been tattooed, uh, with, and this happens in the the power as well. Boxer has been tattooed by Serpentine uh, with uh, various religious symbols um, from around the world. And in the end, he's supposed th- th- those tattoos. One of them is supposed to real re- to to is supposed to reveal what the one true religion is. Huh. And that's what we see uh, when the when the. Uh, when the thing explodes, when the blimp, when the mega Zeppelin explodes, we see the bleeding through of the shirt of the Jesus uh, thing. And Uh, uh, so that's like, yeah, that makes a lot. Cause, cause this was the first time watching it that I think it finally clicked into place for me that like boxer isn't necessarily like the Messiah or like the second coming he's just like a part of that yeah. almost like, like yes. role, like yes. the, the, the brothers are really this like embodiment of like resurrection and like gnosis and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's, they're, they're almost like, and, and to, so, I think some degree to the, um, the guy who I can't remember his name, the guy that, that gets, that gets drafted and actually fires the rocket launcher and blimp at the end. Like they're all part of this like weird quadrad Messiah. Like I finally think that kind of clicked into place for me. And that like, I think the, um, the Baron thought that boxer was this like a Messiah Mm -hmm. type figure since he transcended time and space when really it was, um, Roland Tavner. At least that's, that's how it kind of felt watching it this time there's something like in the commentary that um uh richard kelly mentions that like we barely see it in this but like we're supposed to get the sense that uh serpentine betrayed the baron to fulfill her own plans which is the religious stuff um oh and uh yes so that that feeds into exactly what you just said yeah, but see, because I actually um, thought it was the mother. I thought it was the the like the Baron's mother character or whatever, um, mm-hmm. who's p- played by the the smart Sparkle Motion lady uh, huh. from yep. Donnie Darko. I thought it was her. I thought she was the one that somehow betrayed him or betrayed everybody. 
within the company and that it was because like she actually was also like a psychic but maybe i'd like read that somewhere in like one of his earlier like talking about an earlier draft or something i don't know part of that might be true but i do know that serpentine is like the one that was like ultimately had her wishes fulfilled yeah okay yeah but so just uh people everybody's Oh, but okay, Marcel. Just to reiterate, Serpentine, in not in Island. the so, yeah, not in the uh, uh, the power, but in, in the actual timeline of the movie, she tattoos that stuff on Boxer, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But that's in the graphic novel, which I read and I completely forgot about. So, Marcus, yeah. you're doing you're doing great work. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so everybody's panicking. Gunshots gone off. Uh, he, he says to evacu- evacuate the atrium. Move to the rear of the re- Mega Zeppelin. Uh, Baron tries to tell everybody to just get back to their seats, calm down, and uh, then Boxer puts the gun to his head and threatens to kill himself. Of course, we know uh, that Boxer is a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide, so this is a, this is the bluff. Um, the ice cream truck is floating upwards outside with Martin, Martin Kefauver on top and the... Uh, the brothers who are really the same person, Roland Taverner, Officer Roland Taverner, uh, inside the ice cream truck. Um, they are holding hands, which is like causing them to lit, rise into the sky somehow. Um, I've got them written down here as uh, one-eyed Roland and cop Ronald, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just to kind of like make more sense to me because uh, Ronald got shot through the eye. Or whatever. Okay, so uh, one-eyed Roland, he's uh, screaming "Cop Ronald" to let him go, um, and he refuses because the truck will fall and kill them both. They're pimps; they don't commit suicide. Uh, one-eyed Roland puts the gun to his head. Cop Roland calls the bluff. Uh, a wormhole is swirling out of the open doors behind them. I think it's a very beautiful effect. Um, yeah, um, it is unfortunate in the con cut, which Marcelo, you've yet to see, right? Uh, I have not seen all of it. No, I've, I've seen parts of it. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to spoil this. Like That's in the fine. con cut, that like beautiful, like swirling colors and stuff that are happening in the background as they're um, in the ice cream truck. That's just like blank white. Uh, okay. Nothingness. That's like kind of feeding into the truck in a weird way. It looks really bad. Yeah. Um, There's very some unfinished weird effect. It's why it's why the like I I pref- I think I prefer the con cut just because it has more um, story. I I like I like I also like that it doesn't start with like the infographic of like mm-hmm. here's the last eight years of American politics <laughs> in two minutes because uh, I don't really think the movie needs that as much. Like I like that it just kind of throws you into the world. But there are some very weird choices, like the one you mentioned. They also don't show all of um, Rebecca Del Rio's performance in the con cut, which feels like hmm. really weird to me just because of how like strong and emotional of a part of the movie that is in the theatrical. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Um, so uh, in, the, in the background, we can see office buildings are on fire. Uh, we see this really cool, like wide helicopter shots. I think they look really nice. Um, yeah, I, that's, uh, that, Baron tells, that was part yeah. of my notes. Like all this, uh, you know, LA City overhead, uh, whatever shots they were, they were doing 
I wrote down stock footage yeah. question mark. So I don't know if he actually shot this, but what potentially potentially, but, but whatever he did to the footage, it looks great. I think, um, uh, uh, uh he's definitely one, uh, who definitely knows how to use his budget. He, he, he does a good job of trying to sell. Like there's a war happening. Like I wish maybe he had a higher budget to show that a little more, but like we see buildings on fire. We see the people shooting in the streets and hear the sound effects. Yeah, exactly. Uh, continue Marcelo. No, no, no. That, that was it. That or was that your point. That was my point. Thank you for finishing my point. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Baron yeah. tells Boxer to put the <laughs> down. Vera, please talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. No, We're I over Skype gonna, here. It's hard to talk. I was just going to agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Boxer uh, says that this is all in his head, that if he pulled the trigger, he'd wake up and end the nightmare. I don't remember that. Uh, he's still doing the finger fidgety thing. Um, so... That 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 like fin- that finger thing is kind of like a sort of like his psyche is kind of confused, I believe, and he's kind of like torn between: am I boxer, am I ro- um, Jericho, or am I something in between? It's such a weird. It's such a weird choice. It is like it's, it's one of the yeah. most cartoony things in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> with those fucking fingers. Yeah. Okay, so the Baron mocks the neo-Marxist destroy capitalism, dethrone God mantra, um, believing Boxer to be a neo-Marxist, which I think he's incorrect about. Uh, we got a funny little bit here where Bobby Frost wants to get up. <laughs> yeah, but the security is like holding him back and he, and he rips his, he's ripping his coat off and trying <laughs> to like run up there. Very funny. Uh, Boxer mentions that Roland Tavener uh, is the one who the Baron really wants. Uh, one, we're back to the ice cream truck. Run, one-eyed Roland asks Cop Ronald if he remembers Fallujah. Um, he says, I remember everything. Uh, and then uh, on top of the truck, Martin Keith Alver is readying, readying his uh, bazooka gun. <laughs> uh, we go to Cindy in the... Yeah, okay, so Cindy, she's staring at the win- out the window. She yeah. sees the ice cream truck. Uh, can I oh, yeah. um, Can I, can I just jump in and interject? Yeah. yeah. Again, another uh, bit that I saw from the cons cut. Because earlier in that conversation, yeah, uh, uh, I think Vera touched on it. it this, this entire last part does feel a little truncated. And I, 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 did, I did write down, uh, yeah, cons cut has more. Because I did jump to the end of the cons cut and watch the ending. And along with like the conversation with the Baron, uh, I know there's more of Larroquette uh, and uh, Nora Dunn, right? There's there's more moments yes, of those two characters yes. in the cons cut. They those those two characters have some sort of kind of like love interest thing, and that is something that I wish was in the theatrical. Yeah, yeah, because um, it's like it really does. Like this is the moment in the movie, or I guess in the story, that it just feels like every. Buddy, all these like doubles are kind of merging together to form like one thing and that's like a moment too where it feels like that it's like these two people who are like serving a greater political purpose on supposed like opposite sides of the aisle kind of like meeting each other on the, on the same level and and you know like i think kind of realizing in that moment like the like pointless 
ness of of it all of just like yeah. humanity in general like staring at an, at an ice cream truck floating in the air <laughs> about to fire a rocket at them yeah yeah definitely uh okay so krista and boxer they share one last knowing look as boxer's eyes fill with tears and he stretches his arms, outstretches his arms. Uh, everybody's panicking except for Serpentine, who is doing this kind of like prayer thing. Um, and Baron starts embracing his mother. Uh, a bright glowing light seems to emanate from Boxer as the picture of Christ bleeds through his white shirt, which I mentioned earlier was Serpentine's plan to find out uh, the, tr- the one true religion, which apparently is Christianity. All right, good to know. Um, good to know. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody out there wants to convert, yeah, that is uh, a little weird. That- <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, 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 I. I didn't want to immediately jump on that when Marcus said it the first time, but now I'm going to jump on it. I mean, I guess it makes sense in the film because that's what JT Timberlake's character has been doing all along. Is like, yeah, uh, revelations, uh, revelations all this stuff. So sure, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I guess it, again, I'll just reiterate: it makes sense within the movie and within the framework. I- Kelly grew up in like a Catholic school, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like think the, that's I also, represented in Donnie Darko. Yes, I think like everything. I think like all the characters are kind of wrong too, on some level. Like everybody's kind of like serving. They think they're serving some sort of like higher truth, but there's always like stuff missing from yeah. that higher truth. So like, yeah. I almost even think of like like Serpentine gets what she wants, I guess by like proving that like you know the way the world is going to end is like what it looks like in the book of revelation but even in that of of itself doesn't necessarily i guess it's not necessarily the movie saying like the christians are right and everybody else is wrong it's almost just saying like this is the roadmap that like american politics in western civilization itself has just been like playing by for you know like centuries that like it kind of like created this like jesus tulpa (laughs) almost in boxer that's like he is just this vessel of that idea of like political upheaval and like death and rebirth and forgiveness and yeah that's a that's a great thing i've never thought about how it's like a metaphor for uh yeah uh, how Christianity is like ruling our country. Christian American, yeah. Christian American politics leads to the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's what Seems it's all like about, it. ultimately. Exactly. That's what they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, the mega zeppelin goes up in flames, and the sky. What did I skip over? Him shooting the thing. The mega zeppelin goes up in flames, and the sky fills with the beautiful flowing colors from the wormhole. Uh, Pilot Abilene is partying at the arcade with. Did it, why did I not write down? <laughs> Okay, fucking Martin Kefauver shot the rocket and he kills himself. I I thought that was cool. Why didn't I write that down? He, he jumps off in a anyway. uh, uh, in a cro- in a uh, cross pose. In a Christ pose. Christ pose. Yeah. yeah. Cross Christ. Yeah. A little on the nose. Yeah. A little yeah. on the nose. I like it though. We love Absolutely. you, Richard. Good. And that's what we love. <laughs> we love you, Richard. Um, <laughs> we love you. Yeah, please come on the show, Richard Kelly. Uh, hey, do you know Richard Kelly? <laughs> I, he follows me on Twitter, so oh my god! I'll, uh, this is yeah. the second time we, a third time we've seen this, I believe. Oh yeah, with a guest. Really, third. Our previous yeah. Brianna Ashby is followed by Richard Kelly, beautiful artist. I believe Richard Newby is followed by Richard Kelly, but I guess oh. I'm 
I think but he just is, follows people that have said like Southland Tales is one of their favorite movies because so, he knows Richard, like all of us are Richard. gonna be the ones that allow him to hopefully finish it someday. <laughs> so Marcus, why isn't We've he following been you? Retweeted once. <laughs> I, I know. I don't know. We've been retweeted once when Brianna Ashby oh, uh, tweeted about the movie. Perhaps it, perhaps it's just because he has his mentions uh, set to people that are. I would imagine that he has his mentions set to people that he follows, and then he just uh, name searches Southland Tales every couple of days. Probably. To see what That's what talk. I will do with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with my first major failure. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so Pilot Abilene is partying at the arcade with tons of people, and we can maybe sense uh, he can kind of he kind of seems to sense what's happening. Yeah, um, I love probably, this. Yeah. Sorry, I, I love this shot so much. And not only because it's like the only time in this cut where you get to see Janine Garofalo's yeah, character. Yeah. But, yes. but for that thing you just said, it's like he... I don't know. JT's performance in this movie is wildly underrated. I think he's like... Yeah. Pl- he's playing this like weird subtlety that like... His character is like really sensing the pieces all falling up into place around him, but never says specifically that what I just said, you can just Mm -hmm. sense it by like how he's portraying it. And it's, yeah. And it's that same like look he gives at the end of his whole like musical number. It's like this weird, like melancholy. It's like joyful melancholy and, and like just exhaustion and weariness. It's so beautiful. Yeah, he really does do great things in this movie, and it's—I believe it's his first like major acting role. Uh, I don't—I don't know if he'd done any f- real films before this. Um, I think he did the Love Guru before this. I think that was the first. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you guys should do a podcast yeah, he, on that. All right, back. We, yeah, we went on yeah, to great things. We're doing it. Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, so, okay. Here I have it written. Uh, this is when Martin outstretches his hands and uh, gracefully falls off the side of the truck, uh, probably splattering on the ground. Cop Ronald tells One-Eyed Roland that it wasn't our fault, uh, referring to the uh, friendly fire grenade incident that we see in the uh, graphic novel. Um, he's the reason that Pilot Abilene's face is scarred, because uh, he uh, was like panicking and threw a grenade, and the shrapnel hit pilot Abilene. Um, and they keep, they keep repeating this, uh, one eyed Roland says friendly fire and cop, cop Roland says, uh, I forgive you friendly fire. I forgive you friendly fire. I forgive you friendly fire. I forgive you. Uh, and one eyed Roland drops the gun. I forgive you. I forgive you. That's just a couple last times. I, I found this scene incredibly uh, beautiful, especially yeah. this time around. Like I just yeah. kind of, I feel like I finally like really got it that like he's he's accepting who he is. He's getting over his past traumas. Um, uh, the the pimps don't commit suicide line like it's it's kind of goofy, but like I personally find it like very touching um, and very like I, I honestly think it's like a good like you're you're a fucking badass. Don't yeah you you can live through everything. I I think it's. Uh, incredibly meaningful. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I found it touching too. Um, and earlier, the cross cutting between like Boxer, you know, pointed the gun to his head, and then also Ronald and Roland 
like also like yeah. guns pointing at them. It's like this whole, you know, suicide motif and the, the act of forgiveness, forgiving yourself like that got to me this time around too. So I was like, Oh, and also Sean William Scott again, I mean, Marcus, you and I talked about this off mic and I'm very, I think we're serious when, when we say like, he's amazing. Like he should be in more things. Like, yeah. 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 Especially. He hasn't yeah. like, Scott, I don't think yeah. he's done his best work yet. Like, like yeah. I really do think like he's going to, I'm hoping somebody someday like really puts him in a role that he can shine because I mean, he, he definitely does we, in this for sure. I mean, we have seen it. We've seen perfect roles for him. Like uh, American Pie, he's incredible. Obviously, the in this he shows that like he's a fucking real actor. He can really do it. And then I, I think probably his best performance is uh, Goon. I haven't seen Goon too, but like I yeah, that's really Goon. fantastic in Goon. Really good. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's a great movie. And he's doing a lot in that by doing very little like he's a it seems like he's a a way more sophisticated actor than anybody gives him credit for yeah there's there's a shame a real subtlety in this movie but he's also still really funny it's and i think what is brilliant about the casting is like you know he like he he you kind of get the sense that this character probably was like a stifler type you know (laughs) like before the war like he probably was just like a normal like socal like douchebag and like this crazy horrible country that he lives in like destroyed his life and completely shattered his personality and 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 his like quantum identity itself (laughs) by like splitting him into um yeah, it's it's beautiful. This this whole I I got I got really choked up both times watch, rewatching it. Like it, it it's because I I don't know. Like I I really and it's why I think like the Christian stuff actually doesn't bother me as much as it would in in another context because it really just kind of highlights that like this is these are like people that just like like the way you move on from darkness is like that forgiveness and like like that forgiveness of your like shadow self is so important like the reason why i think a lot of pimps do commit suicide is because they have a very difficult time facing that darkest part of themselves and like really seeing it like on full display like literalized right here it's i've never seen anything like it yeah yeah um, and, uh, we end the film with, uh, JT's voiceover, uh, revelation 21 and God wiped away the tears from his eyes so that the new Messiah could, could see out to the new Jerusalem. His name was officer Roland Tavener of Hermosa beach, California. My best friend, he is a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. And, uh, we we're, we're doing a, like a, like a slow zoom in on, uh, uh, Roland's eyes is, is, the like milky substance kind of fills his eyes. That's fluid karma. And, uh, he kind of finally accepts himself for who he is. And, uh, uh, presumably the world ends. It, it just cuts to black. Um, and, uh, we get the fantastic song, another great song choice, uh, tender by uh blur starts to play. It's, uh, it's really, really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Song. 
And of course, I had to look up Revelations uh, 21. Uh, you'll be surprised to know. I don't know if you looked this up also, Marcus. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's... Uh, and this brings up a question I have. Um, he's not quoting directly from Revelations. Because I, I, I look through it, and the only line that's like similar is this line, where in Revelations it, it says... Um, Let's see. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Right? So that's as close as you'll get to what he, what Justin Timberlake was saying. So my question is, is is Timberlake like an apostle, and is he writing his own version of the Bible in the end? Like, because like that's my, mm. that, that's my thought at the end of this viewing. I'm like, huh. It's like, He's not directly quoting from it. Is he just creating his new version? And that makes me think of like the the past times where he's quoted from the Bible. And like I think, yeah, he, it, it's not like it's not like a one to one. He he says uh, he, he 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 paraphrases from the Bible here and there in the movie. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's my thought. Uh, hearing him say that at the end. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I like I like, I like the simplification, but I even like I like that quote too because. It kind of almost um, highlights something that I think was sort of lost on me as a viewer in this for like in earlier screenings that it's like this probably isn't necessarily like the end of the world that we're I mean we're watching the end of like one world but I think we're also watching the like creation of some sort of weird new version of earth and humanity you know we're like you know fluid karma is just like always in the atmosphere causing these like crazy weird coincidences and collisions and stuff like yeah have you seen the uh animated uh short that comes with uh it's on the southland tales blu-ray um it's uh it's supposed to be like what the world is like millennia after uh the events of this movie uh, have you happened to see that? No. Oh my god! I didn't know that was a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Still, and I don't like it. We saw it. Yeah, we don't like it. Uh, but I yeah. guess it, it. We were wondering what exactly. Well, of course, the overall theme is like you know apocalypse, right? I guess that's the theme that connects these yeah. two things. And also, this short film also appears in the movie at one point, right, Marcus? It's like it. it, it a couple points. A couple yeah, points. It's like right. it's just like little bits on like the TVs. Like if, it's one of those things. Like you got to pause the movie to see it mm-hmm. because your your eye is directed here. You're you're like watching the woman who's talking about the news about the fires, but then you could also look over here to the upper left corner and see a tiny smidgen of uh, the future in this animated short. Oh, is that so? That's where those animated pieces yes, come from yes then. Okay. yes yes short they film. come from that short it's like five or six minutes or something uh it's definitely it's worth watching it's like everybody's like like uh it's not like humans are back it's it's like amoebas okay. that have grown and uh they they kind of have recreated society and it feels like maybe everything is leading to the same place and they're they don't know the history of what happened um it's 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 it, it is interesting i i don't like the animation so. um i'm sorry to whoever made that uh the, <laughs> so sorry i'm sure they just didn't have enough time and money absolutely yeah yeah, exactly. yeah i don't blame them no i don't blame them uh i, I guess i want to go back a little bit i I'm, i i talked about it enough already but i want to go back a little bit to 
like the, this specific viewing I found, uh, cause I rewatched the whole film like three times for this episode. And, uh, this specific, one of the specific viewings, I, when the song tender started playing, I, I, I started thinking about why is this song playing? And like, I saw the meaning in the lyrics tying into the, the themes of, uh, what I said earlier about, uh, Ronald forgiving himself, uh, and like, uh, maybe finally starting to, uh, realize that, uh, he can get through his PTSD or whatever. Um, because like in the lyrics of the song, like that's kind of, it seems like that's what the song's about. It's like, come together, Lord, I need to find someone who can heal my mind. Come on, come on, come on, get through it. Come on, come on, come on. Love's the great, like love is, love is the greatest thing. Love and acceptance. Um, yeah. Yeah, I found a lot of meaning in that. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything I'm about to say is uh, probably going to sound really hokey to some people, but I do think it is a very beautiful and simple message that has kind of gotten just reduced to being thought of as like a hokey thing, which is like, yeah, like it kind of is all supposed to be about love and like forgiveness and Mm -hmm. taking care of each other like even you know like what the government pretends it does for us is is that it serves us and that it's it's looking out for our best interests when it's 1000 percent not so what can we really do in the face of like this complete world of shit that you know we're all like not really in any control we can barely control the like communities we're in like let alone global politics is all you can do is move towards love and forgiveness and light and um i don't know i just i think it's really like that has definitely been you know the case like i said donnie darko was a very important movie for me when i was in high school i was a deeply troubled youth (laughs) and i really did find you know once i started looking for light in my life it didn't fix everything um but when you are moving towards light and love and forgiveness like you're just in a better position karmically like the universe works in your favor i think when you're helping others oh yeah that's well put and i i i love it i do love kelly and like you were mentioning, Vera, it, it. I mean, having done this, having gone through all these chapters, like it. I think the thing that doesn't connect with people who don't like this movie. This isn't just my thought. It's like maybe just the tone shifts, or just maybe they ask, "What exactly is like he trying to say here? Is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be dramatic? Is it supposed to be like it's like serious?" But I don't, if you really dig into it, if you really have a conversation about it. And like I, I went through the lyrics too, Marcus, uh, for the 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 Blur song "Tender." It's like, yeah, it's like his point that he's trying to make is in is is in those lyrics of the song, or at least one of the points he's making. Like, yeah, love will get us through it. It's 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 a genuine, sweet thing to say at the end of a a movie about the supposed apocalypse. And that's what I like about this movie, and that's what I like about Kelly. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel watching it now. It's like, yes, it's. It's it, it, like we mentioned before, Marcus, like with other guests too, and, and on the other episodes, like it is, yeah, you can't see it as the end of the world, but there's also something very hopeful about that, especially when it comes to on a personal yeah. level between two characters, or I should say one character split into two, and just that, like, 
reconciliation, that recognition, um, recognizing that the person you need to love is yourself is like the main, it's like that main powerful point in the end. I was just going to say like something that really, I just started getting into um, psychedelics uh, in my thirties. I waited till my thirties to, to get into psychedelics and polyamory, which I recommend everybody do. Um, But one thing that this movie is really, uh, like opened my eyes to is like the potential for psychedelic medicine to really free people's minds yeah. and like that like wow that yeah. that was a major um component of the revolution we watch unfold is that there was the you know they're they're testing fluid karma on our soldiers and at first when you hear it in the movie i think like it's kind of like oh shit that's so crazy it's like mk ultra or whatever yeah but yeah the soldiers are then like taking the medicine <laughs> for themselves and like selling it and like distributing it to the people and it really isn't until like fluid karma is out there as like a street drug that people are like able to actually rise up and like fucking free their minds um I don't know. Just as somebody that's been doing ketamine every weekend for for a few months, uh, it is it really uh, it really opened my mind to to that, and it's just something so beautiful too about it. Like, you know, in this universe, all of these soldiers were drafted. All the, they they're like young men and women pulled from their lives and tortured and put on the front lines front lines of a completely pointless war. And they fought back using psychedelic medicine. That's so fucking sick. Ah, oh, see, okay, so uh, yeah, Marcus, that fucking rocks, Marcus. We've I've been doing this. I know, Marcus. I was just that. gonna ask you that, Marcus. We've been doing this for yeah. how many hours, and nobody's brought up MK Ultra. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. Like, what the fuck well, are we doing? <laughs> Thank no, you, Vera. That's, that's fucking great. This is such a fucking. That is such a revelation to me. Yeah. Like, God damn it! This it, movie is infinite. Like yeah. you will never stop finding things in it. Yeah. Well, oh, uh, so Richard Kelly, a prophet. A prophet. Yeah. We've reached the end. Oh my God. That's what a what a journey. Uh, but Marcus and I is this the last episode? No, actually, it's gonna... <laughs> we have. Uh, it's the last episode of Southland Tales talk. Uh, no, it isn't. No, actually, it's not, we, Marcus. We're gonna do the can cut. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, do we got the can cut. We got to dig into the con two episodes cut, yeah. of the can cut. We got to get into the box. Uh, we're saving the box for last, which is a fantastic idea. And we also want to do uh, like a like a holes script like uh, yeah, uh, thing. We're gonna oh, like wow. do like a script reading of his holes script. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. Yeah, yeah, but, no, but that's, have you read that yet? Not or? yet. I I, no, I started I, reading. I've it. got the PDF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But 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 Incredible. before we do all of that, I mean, uh, uh, and before we let you go, Vera. Um, I know we talked about this section of the movie, but before that you go, like, what else can you say about it? Like, what's what's like one thing you you really want to bring up? Not just of this section, but of the entire movie that we can touch on here as we reach the end. I think, I mean, kind of along the lines of what um I was already saying, but it was it was something that I hadn't really. There's no way of knowing this, I feel like, unless you, like, listen to his commentary track, but just, like, the way all of these, like, weird coincidences and stuff is happening is specifically tied to, like, that fog we're seeing, and that fog that's, like, coming off of the weird um, perpetual motion machine that the Baron made, and, like, 
that that's kind of what carries everybody to downtown and stuff. And um, I don't know. I guess I guess just as my sort of parting uh, advice at the at, at the end of this. Uh, for the end, like if you if 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 there's anything about this movie that you don't understand or like that you want further insight to, definitely watch the commentary track because yeah. almost to an annoying degree, he <laughs> explains everything, and yes. yes, which is great because it honestly it's so much information that like there's no way it's it's not going to take away from your viewing experience. It's only going to enhance it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I highly recommend it because because yeah, that like it like blew my mind when it when he like mentions it and he he mentions it so quickly in the commentary track like you can barely even catch it. But it's like like that's that's why like Roland falls in like directly into the dumpster instead of splattering on the street like when he falls <laughs> off the building and stuff. It's just because like fluid karma is guiding him along like what a cool idea but like how would you ever show that in a movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah can as an editor can you imagine editing this movie (laughs) i would not i mean no i at times i felt like i was making my own movie just because of all the mixed media and you know there's a lot of news broadcasts in my movie and stuff and this movie i don't want to say it was like even a, a cautionary tale for myself but it kind of was a nice uh, to some degree it was like i would think back and be like he didn't finish southland tales you're not going to be able to finish southland tales <laughs> so so yeah like you got to close off some of your ideas uh stop adding adding to them but yeah i hope he finds peace with this at some point i really do uh, yeah. cuz yeah you know yeah. he doesn't he still does not seem happy with um where it's at and i probably wouldn't be either especially now on this kind of like this wave of people talking about it in terms of it being underrated, like as somebody who came up in alternative comedy, it never feels good to be told you're underrated. <laughs> um, sure. Like it, it is not a compliment really. Uh, <laughs> Why aren't you more popular? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's heard that plenty folks. Leave him alone. <laughs> Richard Kelly, <laughs> let him live his life. Uh, but I do, I do want that after after you've been on our podcast. Yeah, Richard Kelly. Yeah, first been on the podcast. Uh, but I, I do hope, and then and then go live your life. Yeah, I, I, I do hope for that eventual whatever he whatever he thinks of next for Southland Tales. I'm in absolutely. Um, well, I guess I guess that's it, right, Marcus? I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I guess uh, Vera, do you have any uh, things you'd like to plug? I I, I can think of one big thing. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> mean, least. I uh, yeah, I talked I I talked a bunch about it, so I won't I won't bore you anymore but i made a movie called people's joker about an unfunny transsexual clown named joker who finds herself in gotham city uh that'll be coming out hopefully this fall uh follow me at vera drew 22 on twitter and instagram for for more updates on that thanks for having me on guys i i'm so glad we finally got to do this like the amount of times i've told because like all my friends like love this movie so much so it's Uh, been a bragging right for me for the last several months like (laughs) i'm gonna go on a southland tales podcast guys (laughs) 
And oh my god, I love to hear it. And now we do promise this episode will eventually come out. We promise. <laughs> that's yeah, that's we still have two episodes to record. We we recorded this into the future. We yeah, went yeah. into the future. Yeah. To do this. So uh, that's again hey, that's, if any of your friends want to be on <laughs> <laughs> You should You know who you should do you know do you know Alec Robbins? He I have Mr. thought Boop? about reaching out to him. Yes. I I, he, I love his work, yeah reach out reach out to him and i'll also i'll I'll drop him a line today um and say that he should do this because like he's um yeah he is fucking crazy about this movie too he was the first one i watched the con cut with because he somehow had a bootleg copy of it oh my god which again was just like oh i have all of my friends are so much cooler than me that they somehow fucking rocks (laughs) that fucking rocks um but yeah you should definitely reach Uh, out to him uh, yeah. It, okay. Uh, it, it was an honor to have you here, Vera. You were my dream guest when this started, oh. and I'm so I'm so flattered that you came on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very glad we got to do this. I'm sorry it took so long. Oh, Completely most, my fault. No uh, sweat. Thank yeah. you. Thank you yeah. again for having me. This was this was a lot of fun to talk about. And now Marcus and I have to do that thing at the end of every episode. By the way, yeah, I also right. say yes, thank you, Vera. Course. Deeply, uh, huge fan. Glad. I mean, again, I'll, I'll, re- I'll reiterate, every guest we've had on just gives this movie a new perspective. It makes me love the movie more, and I appreciate that. That's what this movie does. So, and Vera, you're just more truth to that. It's, 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 I love this thing. Um, but yeah, Marcus and I have to do this dumb catchphrase at the end of the show. Marcus, are you ready? Here we go. Yep. Yep. Folks yeah, listening. Yep, 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 yep. Folks listening. Have. Uh, everybody out there. A nice. Have. A nice. <laughs> a podcalypse. A podcalypse.